0: another episode requested by you. Today we are talking top six training mistakes and what to do instead. So in this episode you can hear me talk about training effort, technique, volume, switching things up, specificity and expanding your comfort zone. So without further ado I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Fit and Free with AIM podcast. I'm your host, Amy Louise. By listening to this podcast, you'll gain clarity and apply now principles in relation to training, nutrition, and mindset, all designed to help you build a strong and lean physique and show up as your best self at the same time. If you're a woman who struggles with excessive behaviors when it comes to training and nutrition and think of yourself as a perfectionist, I hear you, I see you, I was you. And I know that you're in exactly the right place to turn that ship around and build a body you love inside and out. So let's go. Jumping straight in with number one, which is training efforts. And I think the biggest place where people go wrong with training effort is using things like did I sweat what was my heart rate like and did I how many calories did I burn when in actual fact when we're talking about training effort specifically for hypertrophy building muscle mass we actually need to be thinking about how many reps were we training within failing the movement because the evidence at this point suggests that we need to be training anywhere within zero to four reps of failing. And potentially if we're under lighter loads, so the intensity is lesser, we're probably going to need to train either at failure or within a couple of reps of failure. So that is really, really important to note. And I've got to be honest with you, this is going to be way, way, way harder than you think. And it happens with, it's a a penny drop moment with all of my clients that I have. Uh, all of my online clients send me or most of them send me training videos so I can have a look at their form. And a lot of the time, I'm also looking at their training efforts. And the easiest way to know whether you are getting close to failure because sometimes I think our mind says that something is challenging something is hard maybe it burns or we're we're just feeling challenged and we think yeah you know what I'm probably two three reps away from failure my RIR is two to three which just stands for reps in reserve and it means how many reps do we have left in the tank before we failed and if I was standing next to you and I said I'll give you a million dollars to do another four reps you probably could have and probably even with good form so the the easiest way to know if you are training close enough to failure is to record your sets and watch the speed of them. You should be getting to a place where the last few reps, you notice a significant reduction in speed. If you can get through your set and the last rep is at the same speed as the first rep, and of course you're not on purpose trying to slow them down from the start, right, then it's a really good indication you're actually not anywhere near failing and this is a skill this is a skill in itself so if you are a beginner and this sounds a little bit intimidating perhaps that's totally fine this is a skill it's something you'll build up over time but it's one of the reasons why it's super important to either watch yourself in a mirror or record your training so you can notice whether those last few reps actually look like you were close to failing the movement. And failing just means on the concentric contraction of the or concentric portion of the movement that we're unable to complete the rep, okay? Now, one other thing that can get in the way of effort, and I've seen this with myself as well, so I thought it would be useful to mention, is letting numbers get in the way of your actual effort. So thinking that, well, because I did a certain amount of weight last week, that should mean that if I go up, To you know, add two and a half kilos or whatever it is, then I'll likely be close enough to failure if I do the same amount of reps or something like that, right? Just letting the numbers dictate your reps. And that's not what we should be doing. We if the RIR is set at zero, one, two, three, whatever it may be for your program, where you're at in your program you need to take the set as it is on its face value. And if you've added five kilos, but you can still get, you know, more reps done and you haven't hit failure yet, or you haven't hit your RIR, do those damn reps. And just to give you a practical example, the other week I was doing a hip thrust and I thought I could add some weight on. So I think I was going to add five kilos or something like that. And ended up maxing out the rep range. Uh, and my last couple of reps were slower. So I knew I was within the RIR, which was two. However, I'd accidentally added 10 kilos. So if I had just gone, well, you know what? It's reasonable to jump up in a five kilo increment for this week. That's what I'm sort of thinking and just stuck to those reps Leaving two in the tank, I actually wouldn't have been where I needed to be, even if my brain said I was. So just watch the speed, and I think that that is the best way to go about it. Really watch those speeder lows last few reps, and the other thing that I wanted to mention about this as well, some things that can get in the way of effort is I know some of my clients who are quite—I don't know if it's perfectionism or a little bit of OCD or something—they they love their programs to have all of their numbers rounded up in a nice square way, so just say I've set a rep range of 8 to 12 they won't want to do 13 or 14 reps <laughs> and of course you can of course you can there's no cutoffs with these rep ranges and if the RIR is set at 2 if you're using a 10 kilo weight perhaps it's for like a, a press a pressing movement you can't jump up to the 12 and a half to say that's too heavy and your program is saying you know 8 to 12 there's no reason why you can't do more reps to get to that RIR okay so it is really really important don't 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 let having a pretty program, staying within the boundaries, being too strict with those numbers get in the way of you actually training in a way that is going to produce an adequate stimulus, okay? So that was number one, which was effort. Number two is technique. And this is a tricky one because more often than not, and again, I fell into this trap myself, you just don't know what you don't know. And you could think that your technique is really good, but it could be really shit. And the issue with it being shit is number one, injury prevention long term. Number two, it could be a range of motion issue. So we aren't actually getting the, again, the adequate stimulus through the muscle that we are looking for. And number three, if our form is shit, other muscle groups may, or other muscles may be taking over. So we're not actually targeting the tension through the muscle group we want to target. Okay. So what can we do with our technique is well, if we're not sure if our technique is good, or even if we haven't had anyone else look over our technique in a little while, and you may even be a qualified PT listening to this. I don't want you to skip past this one because even clients of mine who have had PTs before their form on some of their movements can be lacking. And this is not to say that I'm a better trainer than every other trainer, because I'm absolutely not. I have my own coach for a reason. I'm continually learning. I'm continually reading. I'm continually trying to level up my own skills, and I'm not perfect. But it is really, really important that we don't just take these things on face value. And if building muscle is important to us, it's actually up to us individually to also seek out quality information. And one of the challenging things with the interwebs is that there is so much free information, which is absolutely amazing, but we just can't take a lot of information on face value. That it. Is is correct just because a fitness influencer who looks good is showing something or even someone with credentials because I have seen plenty of coaches out there doing some wacky, wacky shit who have credentials and you would think that they know what they're doing, but they actually, for whatever reason on that movement, maybe they have a personal bias, they don't. So I think it's really important. It's up to you individually, even if you have a coach, still just learn. And where can we learn? I've got a a couple of really good books here in front of, well, I've got one in front of me, one of them is called the science of strength training understand the anatomy and physiology to transform your body by austin current that's a really good one and gosh there's another one which i've left on my bookshelf but i think it's called something like strength training as well but a couple of textbooks might not go astray for you as well it really helps you understand joint action joint functions um, muscle origin and insertions and if you know those basics for yourself aus Things don't change too much, okay? Because if we know how joints uh function, the action of specific joints, and then if we're trying to target a specific muscle group, if we know the origin and insertion, we're just trying to get them uh to lengthen and, and get closer together, right? When we're when we're training. So if you know all of that, you can logically deduce how to set up a movement specific to you and how particular machines are meant to, meant to work. And of course, if we're in a machine, it's less likely that we're going to be doing things wrong but those things still happen. And uh, especially with ranges of motion and those sorts of things that are suited to your body. And that's another point with technique, just getting to know your own body, because particularly with like textbooks and things like that, um, of course, what is shown is just for the example. And we don't all have textbook anatomy, like where well, they're all different. Our limb lengths are all really, really different, um, which create lots of different, uh, I guess, lever-type motions. So we need to be really, really careful that, you know, my squat won't look like your squat. doesn't mean it's wrong. We just have to understand what makes up good technique, perfect technique for each of these movements, for our own individual morphology. Once we know that, then we're going to be in a better place. So, yes, I think it is on all of us individually to keep – upskilling in these areas to understand the intention and the point of every single movement exercise in your program what muscle or what movement pattern or both are you trying to target and what should that look like for you and again filming your workouts or your exercises, sorry is going to be an amazing place to start to start to critique your own form over time if something doesn't feel right, it's probably that it doesn't, that it's not right. So definitely be filming exercises that don't feel right or unfamiliar to, to you and just learn. It's so helpful to learn. So that was number two. Jumping into number three is just too much training volume. And this is so this is so important for so many people, especially high-achieving women, especially women who may be fearful of fat gain or fearful of losing their gains. They're doing a hell of a lot of training, so way too much training volume. And it's really poor quality training because focus is gone. They're just doing a lot of junk volume, so they're not working within effective rec- ranges like i was saying before for hypertrophy we're looking maybe up to within four to failure to be safe maybe three is a little bit better but it is really really important and so you're probably like well how much and a good rule of thumb and this is kind of to start with as a guideline but again it is individual specific so we will need to ask ourselves what, a, what our particular goal is at any point in time? Are we doing a specific block that is focused on bringing up certain muscle groups? Maybe if we have competitive goals in the future, we might need to do something like that. But typically something like within 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week might be a smart place to go and I would always start at the back end. So start around the 10 set per muscle group per week and then something like no more than 10 sets per muscle group per session. So if you're doing more than 10 sets for just your booty then the likelihood that you're actually going to get into a place of diminishing returns starts to get higher with every set over that in the session. And maybe to you, they sound like roughly what you're doing. Maybe they sound like way more than what you're doing. And if it is, I do just want it to be a little bit of a, like a, not a red flag. Well, maybe a red flag, a little signpost for you that if you're not specifically in a block where say you and your coach, or maybe you're trying to program yourself, If you haven't specifically decided that for a small period of time, you might be trying to move more volume into a a particular muscle group. it's, it's, It's going to be a time where you really need to address your program and ask yourself why you're doing these things. And especially if you've seen a plateau, you just could be doing too much. And then we hit a place of diminishing returns. You're not able to recover effectively during the training week and your body's basically playing catch up and you won't be able to get the the stimulus that you need so in a lot of the uh, research that has been done there's a real sweet spot and it seems to be around you know the mid range not doing too much not doing too little but too you can do too much and overtraining is a real thing and inability to recover is a real thing and specifically as well i've heard from some of my clients that Previously, they were thinking that they needed to train for a particular amount of time. So they needed to be in the gym for an hour and a half to two hours to be getting a decent session. Time has nothing to do with it. it. It has nothing to do with it. How many sets are you doing per session? How many sets are you doing for that muscle group over the course of the week? Does it sound like it's within the reasonable parameters? If it's not, ask yourself why. If you have no idea why, a red flag, okay? Number four is changing things up. So you're not a special snowflake. You're going to fit into what everyone else needs to do, which is the basics again and again and again and again. Thinking that you are special and that you need to change your program up to confuse your muscles, shock your system. This is all bullshit. None of these things are true. Yes, our body adapts over time, so we have to increase the stimulus, which is just progressive overload. Doesn't mean changing anything up. You. You could get six months out of a program you really could potentially you, so I, I think it's I think one of the things that we are so focused on these days is like entertainment instant gratification what's the new and latest thing on Instagram what's my you know my favorite fitspo doing on Instagram today oh she's doing a new movement nine out of ten times a new movement that you see is probably going to be shit and it's not going to do what you're hoping it does because the person probably posted it because it shows a booty angle or something that they're going to get lots of engagement with on Instagram and I just got to be real with this okay ask yourself have you actually plateaued have you actually plateaued and then you may just need a deload week or something like that even to uh, to help you uh, continue to make progress after it's not necessarily... Necessarily that you need a new program so again if I could provide any sort of basic guidelines I would say absolute absolute minimum four weeks the only reason why I'd be changing a program after four weeks in a hypertrophy block is potentially Geez, I'm hard pressed to think why. It's potentially if I know the client may have issues with boredom, and that if they don't have a new program, it's highly likely they won't even step forward into the gym. Or if maybe just something is really not working. But again, it wouldn't be a whole new program; it would just be minor tweaks. Okay. So what would be what would be a better guideline for programming somewhere between? six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks, even 12 weeks would be a lot smarter. And I would keep going until you have hit a true, true plateau. And even then, the majority of the programming is going to stay fairly similar, at least in terms of the kinds of movements that you're doing. Of course, rep ranges and those sorts of things might change To You might have a, a changes changes in intensity so in rep ranges as well maybe you do a little bit of a strength focused block maybe a hypertrophy focused block but again you can do you can do hybrids too you can do all of these things within one program you can do some sixes you know some sets of six or some sets of five plus you could do some sets of more what we would typically think of as more hypertrophy based rep ranges maybe eight to twelve maybe eight to fifteen and then going from 15 plus potentially which might be thought of maybe more conditioning or muscular endurance type work you can do all that within a program anyway so you just got to ask yourself what is the intention of this particular training block and then not not uh, thinking that you need to change something up, you, it could be sleep, it could be stress, it could be hydration, it could be food. There are so many different things that we can tweak before we think we need to change a program. So, typically, if you're not getting bored and you're able to get into the gym, then we, you know, six weeks would probably be a good minimum. The number five is specificity. So this came out of a post I saw the other day on Insta. Just someone doing a one RM just for the fun of it and thinking that doing a one RM every couple of weeks is something that is going to help them progress. And I know their goals are specifically body composition related and it's like the amount, the, the, The amount of stress or how taxing just doing a 1RM for shits and giggles is on and and the impact, the flow and impact that's going to have on the rest of your training session, that session, the training week and then months in general. It's no wonder that this person continually is at the doctors and continually feels extremely fatigued why are we doing a 1RM when our goal isn't the expression of strength our goal is to build muscle mass it makes no sense so do make sure if you're doing things just because it gives you your ego a hit just because maybe you can post it on the gram just because you have to ask yourself how does me doing this fit in with my longer term goals? Because if you can't answer that, you have no place doing it. Make sure the training that you're doing is specific to the outcomes that you're trying to achieve. And maybe there's, you know, for example, maybe you're doing a deload and you're like, well, how does a deload fit in with my hypertrophy goals? Well, it would be to help reduce inflammation, give you some time to recover and potentially, uh, Potentially, you know, progress. That's what we're trying to do. Like super compensation, we're trying to minimise fatigue as much as we can, so that when we come back in the gym, we're actually progressed even further than we were previously. So there is a very specific reason why we might take time off, whether that's be full time off the gym, decreasing volume, something like that for a deload week. Right? Uh, there's another good one where I used to engage in hips and hips cardio, lots of running, lots of hit sessions when I wanted to build muscle mass, and I just that my my issue then was i just didn't understand and if you had said to me well how does running fit into your goals of hypertrophy i probably would have said i don't even know what hypertrophy is uh so i wouldn't have even been able to explain that hopefully if you're listening though that you can understand and if you're not sure ask if you if you have a coach definitely ask them what is the point of this training block in terms of my larger training goals. And if you don't have a coach, again, that's okay. But this would be a time where just really reflecting on your own and potentially even getting some textbooks or reading some resources are really useful. Getting piecemeal information off Instagram from fitness influencers isn't going to be learning the principles where you can apply them to yourself. Sometimes there, I, And I, I don't want to sound like I'm knocking fitness influencers because there are so many men and women who are actually in the thick of creating research, publishing research on Instagram, who I wouldn't specifically call influencers. They're just amazing at what they do. They're the ones who are undertaking the research and publishing it. And I would say absolutely, they are a great place to start because you can then find the journals where they're publishing their articles a lot of them have emailing newsletters so those sorts of things would be really really smart to to get in and amongst again if hypertrophy is really important to you if your body composition is really important to you then this is an area that we should invest some time and effort just you like you might invest some time and effort into your finances or into your relationship or into your mindset or into leveling up at work you know we're human beings with lots of different areas Areas that are interesting to us in our life and I think sometimes this area is of really significant importance to us, our physique, our health, how we look, our progress in the gym and yet at the same time we're not giving it the time and effort it deserves and I'm, I'm talking about doing our own reading, educating ourselves, upskilling ourselves. One of the reasons why I put together growth phase, I bloody wish I had growth phase when, when I had started out because I wouldn't have wasted my time doing a bloody marathon when I was trying to look like a bikini competitor. Like I wouldn't have done that if I had something like growth phase. So that is why I place a big importance on education with my online coaching, the glam body uh, project. There's an education portal that comes with that to help upskill and and at least start the questions coming and the inquiries coming. I welcome the questions from my clients all the time. And I think it is really, really important. Then what are we going to? The last one is just only doing what you know. And I sort of touched on this with the other ones, but it is really, really important if you are only doing classes because that's what you know, not because they're fun, you're getting the outcomes you want, all those sorts of things. If that's the case, totally fine. Go for your life, keep going. But if you're not happy and you're only doing what you know, it's a huge red flag. There's a reason why you've plateaued, there's a reason why you're why you're unhappy because you're unwilling to get out of your comfort zone. Or maybe you haven't even thought of that yet. That sounded very harsh. Maybe you haven't even thought of trying something new. I imagine though, if you're listening to this, you probably have thought of something new. It's okay to suck at something. It's okay to ask for help. I think it is really, really important that we're seeking out support in the areas that we really care about. If you really care about this, definitely ask for some help. And if you're at a gym, if especially if you're at a big box gym, so I'm still at Good Life. I'm, I'm actually, uh, ooh, am I going to announce this on the podcast? Okay, I am. It's because it was just coming out of my mouth then, but I am going to be finishing up in December at Good Life and going fully online. There we go. I've just announced that. I didn't expect to announce on these podcasts, but I can tell you now, You would make any personal trainer's day by asking them their thoughts for some help or something like that on the gym floor, especially if you see some trainers all the time and perhaps they're just waiting in between clients or maybe they're tidying up the gym or something like that. Go ask them, go, hey, you know, I'd love to have a chat to you about this exercise or why I might have plateaued in this particular area. Could you help me with my squat? Almost all of them will give you some of their time um, and they would love to meet you, I'm Sure, and 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 love to chat to you. I, I think most trainers who care would absolutely love that. Like I I've been asked I've been asked questions at the gym by complete strangers before and it just it makes my day it makes their day it's the best thing ever so absolutely use the resources that are available to you if you're at a big box gym Uh, if you're at the smaller gyms I'm I'm sure there's going to be nerds out there or you know trainers who I shouldn't call I shouldn't call them nerds, trainers who really really care about helping people who would just it would like I said it would make their day make your day to go ask so definitely do that so there we go we have our top six training mistakes and what to do instead. I hope you absolutely enjoyed this episode. If you did, if one of them really stuck out to you, I would super super appreciate tagging the podcast and my own Instagram. So we have fit and free dot podcast and at Amy Louise Coaching. So they're the two tags. I super appreciate. Like I yeah, I can't express how much I appreciate all the love and support. I'm actually. Uh, coming up to almost a thousand downloads on the podcast which is super super exciting for me and yeah I think we will leave it there